Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. Hollywood Exiles, from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's October 2017. At a luxury resort in the outskirts of the Ugandan capital, Kampala, an international conference is taking place. The room is packed. Top experts in infectious diseases sitting side by side with health ministers from around the world. And Uganda's long-serving president, Yoweri Museveni, is there to welcome them. It is now my honour to declare this fourth annual high-level meeting on the Global Health Security Agenda officially opened. I thank you all. It's not every day you get to see the Ugandan president in the flesh, so one of the attendees, a long, dark-haired woman wearing glasses, approaches him for a selfie. President Museveni is happy to oblige. Photographers are there too, and they capture the moment this young, broad-smiling woman raises her phone for a selfie with the president. She doesn't know it yet, but that picture will be used to create a fake online persona. The likeable face of a social media account bent on supporting the long-serving Ugandan president. He will be remembered as a democratic leader. Bent on promoting a controversial multi-billion dollar pipeline project. Oil drilling is on. Bent on pushing back against critics at home and abroad. You will die. This is the documentary. BBC Training is looking at power. We're investigating how it's being used and misused on social media. In this episode, we head to Uganda to expose a sprawling network of fake social media accounts. Their mission? to sing the government's praises and target its opponents. But who is their puppet master? Join me, Marco Silva, to find out. Yeah, I believe in that picture. I had long, darker hair. Do you remember the woman in the photo? This is her. The facial features are very much the same, but I now have blonde, short, curly hair. And her name is Dr. Jamicia Hoyle. I am a senior consultant in the United States focused on health security, pandemic preparedness and response. Are you famous? Have you done something noteworthy? I I like to say I'm famous in my own right, but no, I would not say uh, famous enough for anyone to want to take my identity. So here's how it all happened. After Dr. Jamicia was photographed with President Museveni, the picture began circulating in the media. Not only did that photo make the local news that night, but it was also circulated in many of the print medias the next day. And that would have been the end of the story, had it not been for an account on X, formerly Twitter, deciding to use that photo of Jamicia as a profile picture. And this wasn't your average account. I mean... It appeared to have no interests outside Ugandan politics, posting again and again 
about the president and his policies, always in a really positive tone. Not just that, this account also kept getting into Twitter fights with government critics, opposition figures, through tweets like these. You hypocrites, we know you support terrorist activities. Don't be a useless fool. Occasionally, there were even threats. Just leave Uganda. We are now just going to kill you. I was truly taken aback. Dr. Jamisia only found out about the, well, the fake Jamisia when I broke the news to her. Seeing my own picture and then starting to understand the context of some of the things that were shared, I couldn't believe it. In the last year, the fake Jamisia tweeted about a number of Ugandan government policies and projects. But one in particular caught my eye. The East African Crude Oil Pipeline, or ECOP. The ECOP is a 1,443-kilometer crude oil export pipeline that will transport Uganda's crude oil from Kabalehoima in Uganda to Tanga Port in Tanzania. That is a video promoting the multi-billion dollar project. The French company Total Energies owns almost two-thirds of it, with the remaining shares split between the national oil companies of Uganda, Tanzania and a major Chinese energy firm. The ECOP will provide business opportunities for the different sectors of the economy. Backers of the project say it will create thousands of jobs and bring in much-needed oil revenue. But ECOP got off to a rocky start. Construction has been delayed several times, and there have been warnings that the project could prove disruptive for local communities. Thousands of people in my country have already been displaced because of this pipeline. That is Hillary Innocent Taylor Seguya. And this pipeline, of course, is also causing a grave risk to our environment. Hillary is a Ugandan climate activist based in the US and also a member of the National Unity Platform, Uganda's largest opposition party. For the past two years, he's been campaigning against ECOP, taking part in protests, rallying people, making his voice heard on social media. Dissent on this project has been repressed, so activists have been silenced back home. So I'm using my privilege as someone who is based currently in the United States where there's freedom of speech to call out banks, to call out insurers, to ensure that they don't invest in this carbon bomb. And by carbon bomb, Hillary means a project producing large amounts of oil, which when burned will release vast amounts of gases that cause climate change. Now, activists like him have had some success. In response to public pressure, several Western banks decided not to help finance the project. And human rights concerns have been raised at the highest levels, at the European Parliament, for example. Hillary may have been just one of many campaigners challenging the project, but his criticism of both the Ugandan government and of ECOP did put him in the spotlight. 
these trolls keep coming for me on a daily basis. Sometimes they keep labeling me as the enemy of progress in Uganda and Africa. Sometimes they will call me a US-backed puppet or a sellout. You don't care what you do to others to get money? Shame. His time will come. It's just a matter of time. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I'm like, I cannot give up. Uh, however much they're using slurs against my campaign, I'm not going to be gagged or to be silenced or muzzled by these trolls that I'm getting on digital spaces. So who are these faceless ghosts harassing Hillary online? Are they connected to the very same people who stole Jamisia's identity? And if so, why are they doing it? To answer those questions, we need to go back in time. It's early January 2021. Uganda is at fever pitch. A presidential election is coming up, pitting President Museveni in office since 1986 against opposition leader and singer Robert Chagulani Sentamu, better known by his stage name, Bobby Wine. I'm not here as a politician. I'm here as a Ugandan. The electoral campaign held during the COVID-19 pandemic was a bruising one. There was violence and arrests at opposition rallies, which the government said broke restrictions meant to stop the virus from spreading. Meanwhile, on social media, an information battle appeared to be unfolding. So there was kind of two parts to it. Tessa Knight is a research associate for the Digital Forensic Research Lab, an organisation that investigates disinformation around the world. The first part was fake accounts on Twitter that were presenting Bobby Wine and his supporters as hooligans, really just trying to denigrate him. And then after that, those accounts started to focus on promoting Musefani. So they used slogans that Musefani used, and they had corresponding Facebook accounts. Hold on, but isn't, isn't that what happened with any election? I mean, social media has become part and parcel of our conversations about anything, uh, politics included. So how does this differ from what you'd see in your average election? The content itself was actually not the problem in many ways. The problem was that they were fake accounts pretending to be real people, but they didn't actually exist. Which goes against the rules of platforms like Facebook or X. You're not allowed to use these accounts to artificially promote an agenda or try and influence debate. At the time, Tessa felt she was onto something. So she shared her findings with Facebook, which carried out its own investigation. Facebook revealed that some of the accounts actually belonged to members of the Ugandan government. Specifically, the company said it found evidence linking those accounts, you know, the ones showing signs of inauthentic behaviour, linking those accounts to the Government Citizen Interaction Centre, or GCIC, That's a public agency that handles digital communications for the Ugandan government. As a result of Meta's investigation, more than 350 Facebook and Instagram accounts were taken down. This, in turn, led President Museveni to accuse the social media giant of arrogance. The 
Ugandan government said that the social media platforms were not acting equitably and decided to block access to them. Access to all social media platforms was temporarily blocked. And in Facebook's case, that ban still hasn't been lifted. As I investigated how Jamisi's picture was stolen, how Hillary, the climate activist, was targeted by trolls, I couldn't avoid this sense of déjà vu. You see, like Tessa, I too stumbled upon a network of pro-government accounts, almost 200 of them on X and also on Facebook. Fake accounts using stolen pictures of models, influencers, actresses on their profiles. These accounts posted almost exclusively in support of the Ugandan government, but also to praise the East African crude oil pipeline. In fact, supposedly separate accounts would often post the exact same post within minutes of each other. As East Africans, Africans, there is a reason for us all to be proud of ECOP. And it's not just that they posted the same content at the same time. In some cases, these accounts were also created on the very same day. Meaning, they may look like separate accounts, but they're almost certainly working together. As one of the projects being promoted by the network I uncovered, I asked ECOP whether they had anything to do with it. They said they didn't. And they also said they didn't recognize any of the users' accounts we flagged up to them. I also told X and Meta about my investigation. X removed fake Jamisia's account, but took no action against the others I spotted and offered no comment. Meta, on the other hand, removed most of the accounts I flagged up, and the company also said in a statement, We've investigated and taken down a cluster of recidivist activity in Uganda, linked to our past enforcement in 2021. Upon review, we've also taken action against other unconnected accounts. What Meta is saying here is that they believe some of the accounts I identified were part of the same network they took down in 2021. The network Tessa investigated, and the very same one that, according to Meta, was linked to the Uganda's Government Citizen Interaction Centre, or GCIC. Now, I haven't been able to independently verify the evidence Meta says it's seen, But what the company believes is that individuals linked to an actual Ugandan government agency may have been running several of the Facebook accounts I came across, even though Facebook, of course, is still banned in the country. I asked the GCIC for an interview, but they weren't available. In a statement, they said, Government accounts under our organization are not operating on Facebook. And asked whether they recognized any of the other accounts on X, they said, We recognize the accounts of our staff whose terms of reference include disseminating factual information about government programs. And also, We are only aware and responsible for accounts of our staff meant for work. I sent them some follow-up questions because it wasn't completely clear to me what their statement meant. 
Was the agency actually acknowledging that some of the accounts on my list were indeed run by employees? Were they saying those accounts only disseminated factual information while denying suggestions that they may have targeted government critics? Well, I'm still waiting to hear back from them. At this stage, you're probably wondering, why does this matter? What does it matter that a public agency is linked to the use of an army of fake social media accounts to promote the government's policies? Accounts singing the praises of a multi-billion dollar crude oil pipeline. Accounts energetically pushing back against critics. I think there's a pretty real possibility that these kind of networks can have a serious impact on democracy. The problem, Tessa says, it's not that these accounts are trying to persuade people of something, but rather that this is being done dishonestly with fake accounts. That can be connected back to inauthentic PR campaigns. So, yeah, these campaigns have had impacts on how people vote, what people vote for, and they very likely will do so in the future. It's easier to understand the context for a particular post if it comes from a government or a party account. You know they will have an agenda. But if the post comes from a seemingly ordinary account with no apparent skin in the game, that becomes much harder. It's about manipulation, isn't it? It's absolutely about manipulation, yes. We live in an era of information battles played out on social media. But beyond the hashtags, the memes, the trends, the impact of networks like the one I exposed goes far beyond politics. Hillary, the climate activist, tells me they have a human cost too. Do you have a message to whoever is behind this? If you had a chance to, you know, speak to them, what would you tell them? I would tell them to think before they tweet, because sometimes they may not know the negative impacts they are creating on someone's mental health by sending out such threats to people like me and different activists. Let them not silence dissent. Dissent is democracy. And that's it. My name is Marco Silva. I produced and presented this episode. Flora Carmichael was our editor, Andy Mills, our sound engineer. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating or give us a review wherever you're listening to the show. I know, I know, it sounds like a faff, but it does help us take our work to more and more people. If you want to get in touch about this episode, my email is marco, that's M-A-R-C-O dot silver, S-I-L-V-A, at BBC. .co.uk Thanks for listening and goodbye. For just as long as Hollywood has been Tinseltown, there have been suspicions about what lurks behind the glitz and glamour. And for a while, those suspicions grew into something much bigger and much darker. Are you a member of the Communist Party? Or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I'm Una Chaplin, and from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service, this is Hollywood Exiles. It's about a battle for the political soul of America and the battlefield 
was Hollywood. Search for Hollywood Exiles wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>